welcome to Mice Cast with your hosts Mike and Shaft. And we got two guests tonight. Say hello, guys. Hello, guys. Hello, guys. Awesome. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> the Esquire from Mouse Droppings is here. Hey, Chris. How's it going? From the Big D, right? The Big D still exists, right, Chris? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we're, he's just in a mini, we're just in a mini hiatus. You know, I go through those every couple months. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're filling in for Greg tonight. Greg is out on a gig, hopefully paid. I yeah, asked hopefully him to make some money again. I asked him the question he didn't answer, so, but he gave us like a week's notice. It was like Monday or Tuesday. So we're still counting down. What number is this going to be? 195? 195? So five shows left after this. Let me check the book. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? 195. Yes, 195. Um, and we have a couple things we're going to talk about. But uh, I want to play this uh, Patrick Warburton thing. Get it out of the way. Is that all right? Do you guys mind? No, go ahead. No. Chris, man. Yeah, let's all do right. it. All right. So let me do the quick setup. So, well, maybe it won't be so quick. Uh, there's a morning radio show here in Los Angeles that on Fridays they invite celebrities to play a trivia game that they play every day. And the celebrity for this last Friday was Patrick Warburton. And I just happened to be near a stereo and a computer and a mixer, so I recorded it. And there's some fun, you know, and the, the thing is the celebrity comes on to play the game, but he's also uh, pitching some, you know, he's making a pitch or uh, promoting something and, Patrick Warburton was promoting a golf tournament. He's having a charity golf tournament for St. Jude's out in Palm Springs. So anyway, so at the end, they're, they're kind of wrapping up. I guess he's like a friend of the program. He invites them all the time to do whatever. And it, at the end, they were talking about, you know, hey, I've seen you in a recent commercial, right? And then uh, right after that, one of the hosts leads into uh, the, the, this other place he saw him. So let me start this up and we'll listen. It's about a minute and a half or so. No, I haven't seen that one. I saw you just recently, though, dude. I was at, uh, I took my daughters to Disney World, and we did the flying over, soaring over California, and there you are. Yes. <laughs> Running the ride? An impressive performance, yes. Yeah, he, uh, you know, when you're standing there and they're about to open the doors to go into soaring over California, they show you the video that gives oh, you instructions. Yeah. It's Patrick who does it. Cool. I and I said, steward. I said out loud, Patrick. I'm your flight steward. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like uh, Mark's ball when he hits it. I go a long way and I'm not straight. Fly a long way. And I'm wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Patrick. Good talking to you, man. Good talking to you guys, and I hope you can make the tournament. So yeah, I thought that was funny that he referred to his soaring over California persona as someone that wouldn't be straight. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it was. I thought it was hilarious. Hi, I'm Patrick. Fly me. <laughs> All right. So there. <laughs> thought it was funny. Guess I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Yeah. Chuckling. No. I mean, I always, I always picture him on that one as, more as Putty. Yeah. From Seinfeld than any of his like any other character, and then they. To me, they sort of reinforce it with the dude with the with these little beauties as George. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you watch the show he's on now? Yeah, actually, I do. It's uh, I think it, it's quite funny. Yeah. All right. So, 
All right, so I just jumped onto the chat. What, what show is he on now? It's I'm... called Rules of Engagement. Okay. What's and it on? I haven't seen it's it. CBS Monday nights, eight thirty after How I Met Your Mother. Oh, weird. I watch CBS at ten o'clock though, but gotta watch Hawaii Five O. I I dropped Hawaii Five O from the rotation. Um, well, I have, uh, admittedly, I haven't watched it too much over the last few weeks. Trying to get back into it, but yeah, it, it's just not as memorable as the old show used to be. Maybe it's still trying to get its stride. I don't know. Eh, we'll see. Uh, I kind of like it more for the um, overhead shots and, you know, the camera and the, the I mean, the, the helicopter shots and all that. It's, I kind of watch it more for that. Oh, and, for the travel and, log, the Hawaii travel log aspect of it? Well, yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. But That's well, always and, been and the boomer. big reason with it. Come oh, you, you like boomer? boomer. Oh, not enough just... meat. Not enough meat. <laughs> not enough meat on the bones there. Sorry. <laughs> oh, She's man. like twigs. She's like twigs and chewing gum, man. She's not 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 a whole lot going on. Oh, I Sorry. forgot. I didn't realize. I, I forgot she played Boomer. Yeah. That's where I saw her before. I, I I knew I recognized her from somewhere. I forgot all about Boomer. And she's still playing her Cylon self, right? Kind of wooden, dead. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, yeah, whatever. She, she wears a bikini. I don't care. <laughs> Okay. Have you ever seen a Cylon on a surfboard? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Someone just asked well, if we're going to get the Mason Ready Times dudes. Yeah, well, I'm just I'm just doing research for when I actually go to uh, Ulani sometime. Is that how you say it, Ulani? I thought it was Aulani. Uh, dude, I don't know. All right, I've been to Hawaii three times. And yeah. uh, I just know that each vowel is a syllable. I have never gotten farther west than Catalina Island. <laughs> that's 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 my big time out on an island is Catalina or Tom Sawyer's Island, whichever the case may be. Actually, that's yeah. That's, I've been to Catalina once as a kid. That's as far out as I've gone. That's about a boring ass place. Yeah, it depends. This- I, I have I have fun when I flew in there. I mean, you go in there for lunch and go get buffalo burgers. Every <laughs> every. For uh, FBO, out in the middle of nowhere, has a coffee shop that serves a buffalo burger. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seriously. I mean, every little podunk place I've flown into, hey, their coffee shop has the best buffalo burger. Really? Well, the big difference is, though, Catalina gets it fresh right there from the ranch. Yes, I know. But I just, you know. <laughs> Since they, they raised the buffaloes out there. All right, so Matt had to get to the Disney discussion. Matt uh, had an interesting take on expansions going on at various places, right, Matt? That's right. So why don't you why don't you throw the throw a lob it out there and we'll see where it takes us. All right, so they, there's been a little bit of discussion on the DPN more than more than Greg has ever admitted <laughs> there to be, I guess. Um, <laughs> Because he's always saying there's nothing going on there, but recently well, you got to remember, Matt. Unless it involves Greg, Greg doesn't really care. So, oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, he's not here to defend himself. That's okay. That's he doesn't. He doesn't care. Right? <laughs> he doesn't. But it, but people have been comparing, uh, especially with all like the Fantasyland talk. You know, if you can get past the boat marketing and you realize that there's actually a Fantasyland expansion going on. Um, 
people have compared that sort of to the DCA expansion and said, what's, what's a better expansion plan, right? What's, who's getting the better treatment? Because I think they're both significant, you know, uh, expansions. And a lot of people seem to think that the DCA expansion is, is a, they're more excited about it. And I just don't understand it. I mean, you're just basically renaming areas and you're probably adding just as many rides as you are in Fantasyland. And then there's the whole Cars Land, which I don't understand at all. So I thought that would be an interesting topic to compare the two expansions, see which one sort of fits the theme of the park better and, uh, and, and sort of integrates better and then uh, have at it. Well, I think, for, first of all, the big, the big difference you have to take a look at is uh, with Fantasyland over at the Magic Kingdom, you're just expanding and what you're adding about 60%, 70% more real estate to the Fantasyland area. You're taking that big slab that used to be the uh, submarines and used to be and then was later turned into the we don't know what to do with it, but it's a big slab of concrete area. Um, and you're turning that into an area where you have the character meet and greet, predominantly princesses. That's, I mean, that's all you're really doing. That's, that's the equivalent to what Disneyland did 20 years ago when they added the Fantasyland Theater or at the time, the name Videopolis. You're just taking a piece of real estate that's not being used. You're just adding on to it. With California Adventure, you're doing a completely remake and, like you said, a re-theming of how the park is supposed to be. You're changing the front entrance. You're changing the gates out. Um, uh, you're changing a lot of the pathways and adding some things into the park. And then, yeah, you are adding a whole new land as Cars Land in the back. So, yeah... It's probably it's definitely more expensive on Cal, on California Adventure, but you know we only have the two parks in California. They got four plus over there in Florida. So how much? What's the what's the dollar sign attached to the Fantasyland expansion of Walt Disney World? That's a really good question. I don't really know. So you know the dollar sign total, and you know the scope of what's being updated. I think might might make it hard to compare them accurately. You know what I'm saying? Oh, definitely. I'm just thinking as far as impact to the guest, where you could you could compare different things. You could say, you know, if we're trying to do apples to apples, then I think maybe you take just what are the new additions to uh, Florida Magic Kingdom and DCA, and you compare those. So the retheming, I think, is something that's necessary for DCA to sort of live up to the original ideal of a second gate in California. But I think you can take that out of the equation to say, what are you getting, and how does it integrate into what already existed there. So World of Color, Ariel, Cars Land, and the uh, the red car, right? Those would be the additions. And you, you would compare you that talking, to... Are you talking strictly from an attraction standpoint or when you say additions? Because, you, <laughs> I mean, you know, they're pushing out the front. They're, the, whole, the whole entrance plaza area, that retail and, and di- you know, quick service dining, all that, that's all being rethemed. Oh, I mean, you could look at it either way, right? But I think as far as uh, guest impact and and really, um, you know, how the how the renovation as a whole sort of integrates with a general theme. That's the thing I, that I don't get about DCA is this Cars Land piece. It doesn't fit in with the rest of it. The rest of it makes a lot of sense to me. World of Color is a great addition, you know, all that stuff. But Cars Land is just sort of like, you know, when they added Toontown to the Magic Kingdom, it didn't really fit the rest of the Magic Kingdom. All right. Uh, well, I can. Um, 
I can draw. I can make a thin leap for you if you'd like. Sure. <laughs> well, that you know that. Uh, no, I can't because I would say that piece of Route 66 that they're that they're trying to convey for Cars Land. I don't does I don't think exists in California. I think that's more of the. It's more Arizona. Utah, Arizona kind of a looking. Well, I hope not Utah since it doesn't go through Utah, but Arizona, New Mexico. No, that's right. It curved farther south. It cut. It cut in. Mm-hmm. So I'm, 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 because I'm picturing you know Interstate 15 is main, the main. Uh, that's north south. F- really? Yes, Look at a map. Really. 15 runs n- northwest, northeast, right? Cause yeah, it, but f- 15 comes. 15 comes up to me, Mike. Yeah, and goes down to San Diego. Yeah, once it, oh, once okay, it hits, okay, so once it hits Utah, it, it goes, then it goes it north south. Straight. All right, yeah, yeah, that's 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 how interstates. You know, odd numbers, north south, even numbers. Yeah, I know generally, but I mean, look at <laughs> look at the fifteen between, oh, say St. George and Las Vegas, or even San Bernardino and St. George. That's a northeast track. Yeah, well, pretty yeah. much St. George west. It's it's. You know, as much west as it is south anymore. Yeah. So yeah, Route sixty six went down through Illinois and in, into Missouri, across uh, Oklahoma, the Panhandle of Texas. Right. So that's Interstate forty. I want to say yeah. now. Yeah, yeah it's more Interstate 40, forty. Sorry, forty four yeah. is that follows that a lot. Um, for, well, forty all the way up to uh, was it Tulsa, and then it starts curving up northward. Um, I think Cars Land. Yeah, I can understand the quandary on Cars Land, um, especially since it's supposed to be Route 66, and there is an area in California Adventure that's dedicated to Route 66, which is the area between aerials, uh, the new aerial attraction going over towards uh, what used to be Pizza Umau Mau, and that was always referred to as Route 66 going through there. Because of the kitschy um, shops, right? It, the kitschy they- shops and the looks. You get you had the dinosaur jacks and everything like that. Um, but I think the what they're trying to loosely tie it in is the cars, uh, California car craze. I mean, Californians love their cars, and you do have San Bernardino, you do have Riverside, where you do have a lot of. Uh, desert vistas where you do have a lot of driving going on out there uh, granted what, yeah, what's, that, I, what's I, that highway that you have that goes from southern to northern California 101 uh, well, there's, well, there's the highway 101 on the coast there's interstate or not, there's California 99 that goes to the central valley and there's, there's interstate 5 that, well, what's, the, what's the very scenic one that they show in movies when people are driving in California? Oh, Pacific Coast Highway. So why wouldn't you call that themed area the Pacific Coast Highway or something along those lines and <laughs> then put Pixar stuff into it? I think when you call something Cars Land, and you can't even put other Pixar stuff into Cars Land without totally ruining the theme. I think they're boxing themselves in, and it doesn't really flow with the rest of the park. It's sort of they they might they might be uh, boxing themselves in, but I think they have enough attractions that'll make it worth its while, uh, keeping it for the most part the way it is. Okay, well wait a uh, second. If if you're gonna go, so then you don't like Bugs Land either, then right? No, I don't like that either. But then again, I don't know if the DCA before the you know reimagining of it really made. I don't know that story. I don't know how the different pieces fit together or if they were just sort of a conglomeration. I think everyone agrees that the original DCA was just sort of 
a great ideal and then was not implemented well. So I kind of like throw Bugs Land in with the rest of it, you know. Um, but now that they're taking all this time to reimagine the park, why don't you, you know, set it up so that Cars Land actually makes sense? So if you look at the other places where they've put Pixar rides, right, you look in uh, Tomorrowland in Florida, and, okay, maybe we don't agree that there should be a lot of Pixar characters in Tomorrowland, but they didn't – it's still Tomorrowland. They didn't rename it, right? They tried to fit them in, and Tomorrowland actually, you know, kind of fits in with the rest of the lands in the Magic Kingdom. And we can argue that the rides don't fit in. But then you can also look at uh, the Hollywood Studios where they have Pixar Place, and so they're saying, all right, this is a Hollywood uh, – we're looking at different elements of movie making, et cetera. And so this is the Pixar area. And then they can throw whatever you know new Pixar movies come out. They can throw a ride in there. They're not limiting themselves. I just don't understand the Cars Land theme. Well, you know, when you're talking about like Pixar, like Buzz Lightyear over in Tomorrowland um, – you know, I've defended that one with against Greg. Greg's always argued about that one. But in another, on the flip side, I agree with him that Tomorrowland was supposed to be the whole World of Tomorrow theme, and to put in a fantasy cartoon such as Buzz Lightyear, or uh, even worse, uh, put Stitch over there at Magic Kingdom, uh, kind of detracts from the theming of the land. Uh, Putting in a Cars Land, putting in a Bugs Land, uh, you're theming a particular area granted to a specific movie. And it, granted, it is a Pixar movie. And you got, you know, Lasseter's going to have his push going through there. But they're successful, and, they, and they're actually uh, putting in what I think is relatively decent attractions into those areas. Uh, you, you got the... Uh, Heimlich choo-choo train and okay the extremely slow tuck and roll bumper cars and the uh, flicks uh, what what is it the flicks flying machines or whatever it is in Bugs Land over in Cars Land you're going to have your uh, racers which is essentially the same thing as test uh, track test track or for those in California the rocket rods same exact technology. Um, you have the flying saucers coming back as Luigi's tire shop, the hubcaps. I think uh, they have enough to be able to make the land work. Um, multi-use, yeah, you're, you're, you are limiting it, but then are you going to be worried about it because you got several attractions going into that area? Yeah, I don't think the attractions are going to be a problem. I think the attractions are fantastic. I just think it's a different argument. You look at Tomorrowland and Magic Kingdom, you're arguing that some of the attractions don't properly fit the theme of the land, and but, I just think but the it's land easier, doesn't fit the park. It's easier to stretch. Okay, it. yes, but it's easy in Tomorrowland. It's easier to stretch or it's think e- think of Buzz as something from the from tomorrow. He's, you know, he lives and works in space, right? Right. It's easy to fit uh, sure. attraction into a land a lot easier to, than it is to fit a land into a park. I think. Sure. But I, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on the uh, the multi-use uh, argument or not argument, but point you're making is that I, I they're sacrificing multi-use with immersion. I mean, have you, have you seen how big those those freaking canyons are? Oh, I've definitely the, seen the, what they're building they're, up over there. And, yeah. and it's you know when you step into Cars Land, you're gonna think you're in in Radiator Springs. 
And, and, oh, and I, th- I think it's going to look fantastic. I just don't understand how it fits in with the rest of the park. Well, that's all. I think I think it's going to be a great undertaking individually. But it's sort of like if you look at Harry Potter at Universal, right? It doesn't really fit in with the rest. Now, of course, Universal isn't known for combining their different themed areas together, so no one really holds them to that standard. No one evaluates it there. But I think Disney, you know, they're trying to put entire parks together with themes and with a, a set purpose behind each park, and I'm kind of calling them on it here. That's basically what I'm doing. All right, well... well I was going to say, I, I think I'll go back to my original thing that, you know, yeah, you're right. It, it is kind of a long draw with the California theming and trying to put Cars Land in there. You could say the same thing with Bugs Land was uh, kind of a long winded long shot trying to pull that in with the whole agricultural area uh, that was used to be now it's a bit vacant lot there in front of cars or in front of bugs land that's being built for cars but i think california adventure kind of lends itself to that just strictly in that it is very much more flexible than disneyland or magic kingdom might be actually if you yeah if you think about it i think dca is gonna be like a split personality okay because the 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 rethemed concept is this is you know the Walt Disney's uh, you know the, well, the uh, yeah, hey, hang, hang on hey, give me a second to collect my thought he you know the 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 front entrance area the Carthay Circle Theater Hollywood this is supposed to be what Hollywood was like when Walt arrived right mm-hmm. okay right. so <clears throat> you got Hollywood that kind of works for that you got um, Condor Flats, which you know, California was when Walt arrived, not well known for aviation just yet. Okay, but as you move farther into into DCA, you're going to get a blending of things of what were happening when you know real life in California when Walt arrived, and then maybe some if you want make the stretch of the fruits of his imagination. Right. Well, Disney picked you know Bugs Land and Cars Land are things that were created because Disney came to California. <laughs> do you see where I'm going? <laughs> do, you see, do you kind of see where I'm kind of trying to draw that? You know, those two things they were you, both created in Palo Alto. <laughs> they don't. They don't. You're right. They, they don't fit, but you can make a you can make some sort of wheat case. I got nothing they could beyond build that. A big, they could yeah. build a big Walt Disney head, like the entrance to Pleasure Island. You could enter it, and then you're in yeah. you know, the stuff that Disney produced. <laughs> and we'll yeah. call it Brazil. Um, you know, I, I was just taking a look about what Spence Man's saying here. It'd be nice yeah, if the entrance was We beat that to death, though. Yeah. Um, the Pan, Pan Pacific entrance was, yeah, wasn't created until, what, 13, 14 years after Walt arrived. But, you know, I think it's still trying to ha- trying to find its way to be all around encompassing of different ideas of California. And I think Cars Land, uh, you know, we had the comment here, Cars Land Road Trip. Yeah, Road Trip has, is still, I mean, it has always been a big deal in California. It's It still is a big deal having your car going on a road trip and a good half the state, I would dare say, 
Uh, well, no, that's not true, too, because most of it's agriculture. But you got a good southern section here that has a lot of great desert highways and a lot of legends with them uh, between Route 66 and uh, some of the old 395 and some of the PCH, uh, PCH uh, Interstate uh, 8, some of those areas. Uh, it has a lot to do with cars. And then you just have the Pixar end of it. Pixar wants to be able to create something like this. Uh, an entire land with several, I think, will be decent attractions. Um, where else are you going to put it? You can't put it in Disneyland, and you need to put it somewhere. Uh, yeah, it's a stretch, but DC, DCA just will lend itself to having that room for the expansion. They got to they got to make it worth the seventy six bucks to get in there. I That's think true. It will be. You've got to add the extra attractions and or actually a one day park hopper ticket's a hundred and one dollars now could you imagine <laughs> I, I i i see something here cars land isn't set in arizona is it new mexico take tigger's writing down I don't, I don't, I, I, what are you basing I that on what are you basing that on ray is there some is there some canon somewhere because i have no idea where what where cars actually took place I, I always looked at it, it was more of an Arizona-type deal. Because I, I actually, I got the sense of California, because, you know, when they go up in the mountains, that's that's mountain scenery that you don't see. Yeah, I... Shoot, that's... I mean, it's got to be a... I mean, <laughs> the whole Cars Land, you know, or the whole Cars world that they created is, a you know... See, Monument Valley's in rep- Utah, it's, right? And yeah, I know they, it's, it's I know a they call representation, though, of well, the United States, but not direct, you know, like, this is Los Angeles, and this is New York, and this is the, the South. They kind of made up their own things, so I, I don't well, know that it's... Having, having traveled a fair amount of Route 66, and I mean the real Route 66, I'm not saying following it on Interstate 40, uh, there... And when I say a fair portion, anything from Texas westward, I've traveled on Route 66. Um, the area I would consider would probably fit the best with cars would be in Arizona uh, between uh, Flagstaff and Kingman. Route 66 goes on a nice long journey going across the desert, and it has some nice little desert vistas similar to that, and it's way heck of a way from the uh, interstate. Um, there still are some places, the one that comes to mind the most, because it, it was one of my favorite places to visit, was Grand Canyon Caverns. Uh, the Cadillac Range, if I remember correctly, is in Texas. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember Pretty seeing simple. that in Texas. Yeah, that was in Texas when I saw that. I take that back. Tulsa. I went all the way out to Tulsa on 66. So, and... Uh, See? Yeah, right. Epilogue shows a map of the area of Arizona around Radio Springs. So... You know, yeah, granted, you know, again, Radiator Springs is more of an Arizona, but... Yeah, I think the whole story was, and this is when they were talking about it behind the scenes with, uh, oh, what's his name? I'm trying to remember. He wrote a cut. He wrote a book called The Mother Road, and he took him on a tour when they were trying to figure out how to do this the show. Is this um, the same dude that ended up playing the sheriff? No, and I have his book. Because there's a because I know I know some guide 
they actually gave a part in the film. There's a there was a Route 66 guide kind of guy or a yeah, I'd have to. Uh, I'd have to go look it up. My only problem is, is every one of his books, when he reaches the Colorado River, and you're in California, you're at the end. It's like you got a whole another adventure that comes across California. He always ends his books at the at the Colorado River, and he never talks about the rest of the road except maybe, uh, oh yeah, and there's Barstow here, and he made a reference to Amboy, and there's so much more that goes across California than just you know a couple cities there. Um, but anyways, he took he took the uh, the uh, animators out on a trip of Route 66, so they can kind of get a feeling. And when they created Radiator Springs, it was kind of an all-encompassing type feeling of numerous different areas. Yeah, you had the Cadillac Range, which is the Cadillac Ranch in in Texas, um, the far away town that's not anywhere near the interstate uh, is more like. Uh, you know the section like I was talking about out by uh, between Kingman and uh, Flagstaff. A uh, lot of the areas that look like um, I'm trying to think uh, some of the abandoned areas. There's two guns and a couple other areas. Two guns was a really interesting place because they had an actual zoo there that's all but abandoned now. What's the name of the place but, that has the donkeys just rolling around? Oh, that's uh, Oatman. Oh, oh, man, that's and, right, and, yeah. this, and there's another good spot right there. Going to, when you, Once you cross the river, you're going up through those mountains there, through Oatman and Gold Road and all those, and then it looks a lot like, and that's between Colorado River and Kingman. That looks a lot like uh, a lot of the little vistas that they put uh, in the movie. So it was just kind of an all-combined, and I think Cars Land, uh, since you're d- talking about California, I think it still fits within the car- California car theming. Especially when you consider that the end of the movie takes place in California, so and they, yeah, the, they also say how long it takes to get there, right? The donkey Pardon? show, no, it's donkey show, freaking Spanish. So, I I go on to. And Mike only knows this too well. I can go on a lot of stories with Route 66. That'll bore you to tears. But. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> go. So, all right. So, you got any other beefs there, Slick? That's it. That's my major beef. That's it. It'd be nice to know what they're... they're... Actually, if you now, if you want to compare Florida... Uh, Apple to California Apple, we should compare how much they're spending on the Fantasyland upgrade slash expansion versus the Fantasyland upgrade they did coming up on 20 years ago in in Disneyland. And then, of course, adjusted for inflation. That would be... Again, the the one that was done... You're talking about the expansion in 82, 83? Not the expansion, but the, you know, the... the, Face. You know, the upgrade, I'm going to call it, where they... Yeah, it took away the the two dimensional cardboard cutouts and actually made it look a little bit more the way that it was intended to look. Yes. Yeah, that would be interesting. But again, I would have to say that it's still a little bit more of an apples and oranges because the Fantasyland. Okay, granted, haven't looked at it, haven't seen it, don't know how much of it. The but my understanding is the Fantasyland uh, refurbishment that's going on at Magic Kingdom. 
is doesn't affect so much the castle area or a lot of the dark rides. It doesn't affect anything down near a small world uh, towards the uh, Columbia House. It doesn't affect anything the other direction towards uh, teacups and the Utopia. Uh, it's just that unused area that used to be the submarines. No, no. But and the Toontown is getting... It doesn't getting... affect Utopia. Or... Does it affect yeah. Utopia? Yeah, yeah they're, they're shortening they're... that track. Yeah, they're, they're shortening it by like 10 meters or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, because that big old tent. Yeah, they're 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 two towns going away and getting rethemed for like a circus thing. Um, yeah. uh, Snow White is getting replaced by a meet and greet, right? That's right. And they're putting uh, like the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train ride. Oh, so they're getting rid of the Snow White attraction too. Yes, and then yes. Wow. they're adding the the aerial thing that we're getting. They're adding, they're making a dining facility that's. Um, Themed on Beauty and the Beast, um, yeah, you might want to bust out the old uh, concept art and take a look what they got in mind. Yeah, because when they did the Fantasyland at Disneyland, it did close all of Fantasyland. The only thing that remained open at Disneyland was the Matterhorn part of the time, not the entire time. And uh, yeah, because the Matterhorn had already been moved world. From, had already been moved from Tomorrowland to Fantasyland by the time they did that, right? What? That's a joke. I, I, when when, oh. when the Matterhorn was first built, it was in Tomorrowland, and then some somewhere along the line, the boundary moved, and Matterhorn became part became of Fantasyland Land attraction. Yeah. So go ahead, Chris. But, what were you saying? Well, I was going to say. I mean, the, the they're two completely different types of you know overhauls and construction projects yeah, and I, all I, that. Right? Are they are they doing any anything to the f- existing facades? Or is that uh, all well, staying the way it is now? Well, they that's have something been. that they've been they've been doing passively because I don't think they want to have anything down in the existing Fantasyland while they are working um, on the new Fantasyland. Yeah, that would, yeah, you know, that would make sense. Yeah, so they've, they've already done, redone the. Oh, sorry, Chris. Well, as I said, probably the same thing you're going to say was they've they've added um, an interactive area on the for the poo queue. Um, oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, you know, um, and I think they've been doing a little bit of construction work on the facades down in uh, Small World and Peter Pan, I think. I don't think they've done anything to Peter Pan yet, but there's talk about adding the same kind of stuff uh, that got put in at Pooh over to Peter Pan as well, because that's a horrible queue to have to go through. Right. What, Peter Pan? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the worst queue in in uh, the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> and then there's, uh, well, and then there's a lot of, uh, they've got a lot of drainage issues too. Um, the last night that we were there, um, we were there during the, uh, while the fireworks were going off. And of course they're, they've got the sprinklers going to make sure that the top of the buildings don't catch on fire. And next <laughs> thing you know, yeah, well, and next thing you know, it's, uh, you know, we're walking around in, you know, in puddles of water and, and stuff. Um, which was kind of you know weird, but yeah, yeah. I had something I was going to go on with that, but I can't remember what it was. No, the one thing I do remember Fantasyland was funny was uh, they kept the Skyway open, and you can actually do a round trip on the Skyway, and you're going over the construction, seeing it all take place. 
I'm trying to look up anything that they have on the uh, stuff for uh, Florida. Oh, yeah. Now's the time to educate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the no-show prep. That's show, right. That's right. right. You know, so, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't meant to be a, a, a slam. Yeah. That was... <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. <laughs> that was merely acknowledging standard operating procedure. Right. So, uh, by the way, I do apologize for the clicking on and off. I have to hit the interrupt here because I my cold has gotten a little bit worse, and I don't think you guys want to hear me. Hack. Sort of like you have an immune deficiency or something, huh? No, I'm I'm starting to seriously consider if I've gotten pneumonia again. So we'll see what happens. See what happens this next week. <laughs> Weak immune system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, immune deficiency. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Did you acquire that somewhere? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Please don't say a guy from work. <laughs> In the entertainment department, maybe. <laughs> You're not having you haven't been hanging around entertainment guys, have you? Richard? Nope. Okay. Nope, nope. Just making sure. Yep. Just 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 you guys. Checking them as they come in the door. <laughs> Just hanging around you guys. Oh. Someone's pointing out you're hanging around the Boy Scouts. Oh, please. <laughs> Let's be nice, guys. <laughs> All right, so uh, that takes us right back to, you know, Patrick Warburton thinking that the, his flight attendant thing was, you know, going that way. <laughs> well, you're, you're going back to the whole thing of, you know, Patrick, fly me. Any, you know, I'm not going to make any judgment calls on anything there because I'm going to get the letters written to me. And you, you know, I when, I, them, right? when I was a kid, uh, my mom's like youngest brother, so he was. I was. I probably was in kindergarten. He was just finishing high school, right? And he he had a poster in his in his room. Now, you know, United Airlines, their tagline back in the late 60s was Fly United. So it was a picture of two ducks <laughs> flying United. And I didn't get it. You know, <laughs> what's going on? Because <laughs> I was like five. And obviously we're humping, you know. <laughs> well, we get that all the time around Disneyland. Humping, humping ducks. ducks. Yes. So educational for the youngsters then. Yes, what do the ducks do? Yeah, it's, it, it's um, one of my wife's friends. You remember who she is, uh, Mike? Where a little kid was looking at two ducks. What are those ducks doing? And she quickly looks and goes, "They're dancing." <laughs> <laughs> nice way to cover it up. Yeah, it's like, and I, I've literally. You know, you get the, the d- dumb, stupid ducks at, you know, springtime. You get them out in the middle of Main Street, or, and they will not knock it. You go up there, and you can just go kick them. Kick them back into the, uh, into the, uh... Nice. <laughs> they, some of those ducks just will not quit. You're trying to brush them off the street. Oh, well. You're going you're gonna to have peated all over you if you yeah, do no that. No kidding. Because someone's going to have a videotape of that. <laughs> Seriously. Stupid ducks. Uh, yeah, kicking ducks. Now, is it true that ducks are monogamous? Does anybody know? 
penguins no, are. I can tell you from watching them, absolutely not. Really? Yes. I'm going to Google that. Our ducks. <laughs> Look for mallards. Make sure you talk about I'm mallards. M O. Our ducks. Look at this. All I have to do is type R ducks M O N and Google's already. It already comes up with it. No. According to North American dabbling ducks are monogamous only because males aren't able to monopolize more than one female. Nice. <laughs> this is from Stanford. Usually, I'm usually watching three or four ducks chasing after a single female, and then they go off. Duck food. Duck is a common name for a number of species of family birds, several subfamilies. Monophyletic monophyletic group. Taxonomy. Blah, blah. Ducks are sometimes used several unrelated water birds in similar forms, such as loons or divers, geebs, coots. Yeah, see? Disney World is lousy with coots. Those bastards are everywhere. Behavior. Feeding. Communication. Breeding. Ducks are generally monogamous, although these bonds generally last a single year only. <laughs> they don't even last a single Largest day. species and the more sedentary species, like fast river specialists, tend to have pair bonds that last numerous years. Most duck species breed once a year, choosing to do so in favorable conditions, spring, summer, or wet seasons. Ducks also tend to make a nest before breeding. So the answer is sort of. Uh, you better explain that to some of the ducks at Disneyland because... Uh they sure don't around there. It's also interesting. It's fun because you're talking about nesting. Uh, I remember one summer we had some stupid duck that kept trying to put a nest on top of the phantasm on the cider mill at Fantasmic. Every morning we had another broken egg because she kept laying an egg at the peak of the roof and it would roll down the roof and crash down onto the uh, floor right outside the door where the techs go in and out. So they're always complaining about how dirty it is. And it's like, don't look at us. It's not our doing. So. They're ruining the park single-handedly. Yeah, they're, they're, they're ruining the park. They're stupid. So I, I was looking at one of the uh, one of the other websites, and they were showing a picture of, um, looks like John Lasseter and some other guys actually riding. Uh, that Luigi thing? Like no, like they're a- actually, no, it looks like they're actually in the in the vehicle for uh, the cars ride. Racers. Yeah, yeah. The, they they've so, actually been testing that for several months now. They they, my understanding, I have not seen it myself, but I have seen some pictures and I saw the cars when they came in. They brought a couple cars in, uh, put them on the track, and they were testing the track to make sure everything was uh, up to par before they started enclosing it within the canyon walls. Okay. So, so the uh, so I under, my understanding is it does it is working, and they've just now stopped the testing while they do the continue doing the facade work and the uh, the building work surrounding it all. Right. So if they had to go in and tear it up and fix right. a fix a portion of it, they they could before they have done any cosmetic stuff. Yeah. Cool. Right. And you know I'm, I remember when they were doing the testing. It just seemed like that's all the track there is. It just seems like there should be more. But, you know, it's always such a great illusion when you see the rest of the attraction built in. Uh, my favorite one is the submarine. You don't realize how short that submarine route is when you're actually on the attraction because there's so much that you're seeing through it. But when uh, it was dry and they took all the sets out and they were uh, getting ready to rebuild it and you're walking it, 
there's not that much cavern for the submarines to disappear into. And uh, it's just the same thing with pirates. When you think, when you actually take a look at how much it c covers, it doesn't seem like it has enough room for how long the attraction is. But it's just that they got so much detail and everything else going on in there. It, Twisting and turning on back on itself. That's it. Th yeah. Those are all yeah. slow-moving attractions versus <laughs> Radiator Springs yeah. racers, which are going to be going what sixty miles an hour, sixty. Do you have Do you 70. have a link to share, Chris? Uh, yeah, it was on. Uh, I just dropped the link into the chat window for uh, yeah. some Fantasyland stuff. Shaft, if you want to read or see some pictures. Yes, I, I was actually uh, looking at some of those pictures there. All right. So. But anyways. All right. Okay. So, yeah, the, the, the track just didn't seem long enough, but we'll see what happens. I don't know if it's going to actually do 60 miles an hour. I know they said it was going to go fast, but, you know, fast is such a subjective term. Well, you know, it helps. What what makes test track seem like it's hauling ass is because you're so low to the ground, right? The, right. The closer you get to the fixed surface, the faster it seems you're going. And yes. you also have the wind in your face, too. Yeah, and, and I think shakes like a bastard. Buffeting, but it actually it actually peaks at sixty. It actually goes up Six, to sixty. Sixty three, right? Test track. Sometimes you see sixty five, but most of the times I've been on, I've seen sixty three. Now I know rocket rods had the capability of doing that, but they never did do it. And I remember when they were doing some of the initial testing because we didn't have any of the bank turns or anything. It had a habit that it would. Granted, okay, they didn't do the testing at Disneyland. This testing was done over at Walt Disney Imagineering. When they were trying to take some of the turns on a flat turn without a bank, it was sliding right, the back end of the vehicle was sliding right off the track. So, I know the uh, it, it came nowhere near any of those speeds when they were doing the rocket rods. No, I couldn't. There's no Disneyland. way. I mean, we got no, some straightaways. But, I mean, nonetheless, it's felt fast when you're going through there. So, like I said, fast is a subjective term. Hang on a second. I'm going to click on this and see, look at the picture that Chris is talking about here. Yeah, it's like three quarters of the way down the. <clears throat> Got to wait for the all page. the ads to load. Yeah. <laughs> Let the memories begin. Gah. Hey, um saw the uh, new show that they put out uh, the new picture show over at Small World not too bad looked okay I, I see that here at the beginning but I saw what they did to the castle over at Florida doesn't look a thing like what the artist concepts look like and it looked kind of almost nasty nasty what do you mean uh, nasty uh, just the all the different colors they were putting onto the projecting up onto the castle that you know when, when they were showing in the artist it was artist renderings it was this nice lacy vine going across with these nice big pictures up there and then when they showed a picture on the hub it looked like uh, small world did with the Christmas show with all the triangles and squares and the red and the white and this that and it was just you this there? whole oh, okay. conglomerate of stuff up there that was distracting away from the pictures 
there are definitely pieces of that castle show that just don't work. But then there are other other pieces that are, I think, pretty amazing. I think they when they do fireworks, they project the firework coming. You know, they, they sort of project it its trajectory from the ground up until it veers off of the uh, facade of the castle, and then you actually see the firework go up from behind the castle. So they time things really that's nicely. Cool. But that's really awesome. Um, yeah. They should do that with all of their firework shows. But th- I know what you're talking about, where they try to make little luggage pieces of luggage or packages that build up the castle and then put the photos in. It looks a little contrived, like they're they're trying to show off what they can do with the projectors and didn't yeah. really put a lot of effort into making it pleasing to the eye. See, like I'm looking at some of the pictures right now of Small World, and they do that, but Small World is kind of lends itself to being a big jumble of stuff to begin with. Uh, the, castle, the castle, to me, just seems like it should be a little bit more graceful. So, And I, I heard we had fireworks with the uh, Small World show. Six seconds worth of fireworks. <laughs> so, uh, I'm looking, yeah, I oh, guess... and are you looking at the pictures here, Mike? Uh, as I've been referring to it, it's Disneyland's version of DCA. On Main Street, yes, I see that. But I, I call the construction walls. I go down and I see just that. Do that last year again too. Like, yeah, we did some. Um, there was some. There was some. Uh, there was some work done. There was work done on the uh, main parade route of uh, where the parade actually went on Main Street. What they're doing now is they're doing the sections that the parade doesn't necessarily hit. And in addition to it, they're working on some of the uh, trolley, the uh, trolley tracks themselves. All right, so, so the, you, go ahead. I was going to say the only big sections of road that's being worked on are on the west side of the uh, hub and the uh, city hall side of town square, where they didn't put the reinforcements in already. The rest of it should already have the re- the rest of the uh, route already has its reinforcements. So yeah, we're. These guys are commenting on the, the, the mice chat link here when someone took a picture of a video running in the Blue Sky Cellar of uh, Tom Staggs and Lasseter riding Radiator Springs racers. And so it looks like, the obviously, the, the, the attraction is done. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and then they can, run, they can run their vehicles on it. Well, and you look at the girl in the in the back, or I'm assuming it's a girl in the, yeah. in the back row there. I mean, her hair is flopping around like like they're actually going at some speed. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, mean, I would imagine that they would go at least as fast as Test Track does. You would hope. Yeah. Yeah. And they got well, two water dummies there too. I see. Yeah, especially since you you have something that's being built from the ground up, you would think that it would be designed to have something to it there. So. I just hope that it's. You know, a long enough attraction. I wouldn't want that to be a, a minute and a half attraction. I would want it to be, you know, five minutes. Yeah, plus. That, that that would be my fear as well. Have, have you guys heard how long they're going to keep Tronica around? April, middle of April is the last uh, yeah. day I heard. It would be sweet yeah, if it lasted until May, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be very nice. Because um, I I dig on Electronica. I think it's pretty cool. And I would, I would dare say, you know, your your odds are pretty good because it is still very popular, and I haven't heard of anything else 
replacing it coming down the line. Okay. So I know I know twenty somethings are just eating that crap up. Man, Ariel's looking really good right now. I haven't been over there since they got a lot of this facade work up. Okay. You, you take, just take, noticed that now? Take it easy here. Uh. <laughs> I'm speaking of the attraction, yes. <laughs> hey, she's 16 years old. Pervert. That's right. Uh, I told yeah. you why Ariel wears seashells, right? No, let's hear why Ariel wears seashells. Tell us. Well, because the D shells were too big and the B shells were too small. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, gosh. Um. So all, no. my traveling, all my traveling over at California Adventure the last few weeks has all been around the back. In fact, um, <laughs> effective. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yes, all my traveling around California Adventure has been in the backstage area, around the back of the park, and I was going to say that the roads change effective uh, tomorrow. They're uh, rerouting all the traffic around and back of Cars Land. What traffic? Any backstage traffic. Oh, backstage, okay. Uh, the, what used to be the backstage road that would go across uh, the back of uh, Bugs Land and across, uh, the, across the back of uh, the wharf area is closing off. Permanently, because, you think? Permanently, yes. Uh, because Cars Land is right there uh, between the bug area and the wharf going through that gate that used to be uh, what they used to use it for different show stop gates uh, Mike and Sully and some of that stuff uh, right by the tortilla plant that whole area is opening up to be the entrance into Cars Land so that road's being cut off and uh, they're putting the back backstage road around the back of uh, Cars Land starting tomorrow Interesting. Crap. I was going to say something else about the... I had to look back and then... Never mind. I can't think what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now it's going to bug me. They aren't putting lap bars in in at uh, Disneyland, are they? Well, Splash is closed until May. Yeah. So you know, somebody somebody be. else brought up somebody brought uh, yeah somebody else brought up that question. I haven't heard of anything. I wouldn't put it past anybody, but I haven't heard anything or seen anything myself. So um, it'd be a shame they did. Yeah. Well, it looks like it's going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, you know, like we've talked about before, um, California. Unfortunately, you have to go to the lowest common denominator on intelligence and litigator and that gets pretty low around here. Oh, I, I know. Think that's everywhere in the United yeah. States actually. Yeah, yeah but Spoken I think like a true professional man. The worst. Um, I know what I was going to say is that uh, back to electronic it's turned into uh, I was saying it's 20 somethings love it, right? It's turned into a big cosplay uh, kind of a thing. Oh, really? Yeah, a lot of people dress up for that. Like Push oh. and his friends. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Now, would they keep that around after 
Tron's out of the theaters? Uh, possibly. It's not, it's not like an attraction. I mean, isn't it sort of just like, uh, what was that thing that they had for World of Color? Glowfest. Is it just basically the same thing as Glowfest with a well, Tron I, theme? Okay, I did not see Glowfest, so I can't say. But I know that it, I thought it was pretty cool in that, okay, first of all, yeah, they're selling like these margaritas at ten, eight, eight, nine, ten dollars a pop. So I'm sure with that a glowing ice cube. cube. You know, there's um, there's a, you know the DJ there in the center that that plays the the, the music that they're all just kind of hanging around dancing to it. And then there's you know the end of line club that they can hang out in, and then you can go into Flynn's Arcade. And uh, I I don't I don't see I don't see the concept of some street party going away if it's making the money. Mm-hmm. You know, they might just yeah. theme it something else. Yeah, the the um, Greg. Yeah, the only Greg, thing I, I agree with Mike. The only thing I can picture going away from that is, and I think it might have already done, is the previews over at the uh, Muppet Vision. Muppet Vision. Uh, they they'll if they haven't already done it, they'll stop the previews. But why? Uh, why not? Why not show it? And get people to go. Maybe or buy the, or buy the DVD. Generate some. Yes. Yeah. Put, Generate some interest. Right. Which is funny, though, is that, you know, now that I think about I've seen the movie twice, and I, and I think about it, the most 3D intense scenes you're seeing in that preview. <laughs> you know, where the, recognize, where the recognizer comes and gets Sam, that, that yeah. is like the most 3D intense portion of the whole movie. Yeah. Where the real 3D effects are whatever, you, you really feel them. But other than that, yeah. Um, no, what I was going to say is that... Uh, um, no, no, I lost it again. Son of a bitch. I, I should stop reading the freaking chat window. That's the problem. <laughs> you know, that's what happens with you as you get older, Mike, that loss of what you were going to say. Yeah. I'm also dealing with, dealing with reading glasses, too. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, what was I say? Cosplay? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, I was, that's, I was going to say that Greg, Greg's issue with Electronica is that the music's too loud. No, no, no. Is it the that the <laughs> the set pieces are up and in the way during the daytime when they're not being used? You know what I'm saying? You right. see, you see, you know, you say Electronica Party Hangover Remnants during the day when they're not doing anything. But then he'd be pissed if they closed the area down for three quarters of an hour to set to set up every day too. So I yeah sure. Yeah, well, you know, but that, that I think that's that's the only thing that I could see that's a yeah. problem with keeping something like that going is that they're those things are they look temporary, although right. those set pieces look temporary, and it kind of detracts a little bit from Hollywood during the daytime. Right, I don't know and I imagine they probably look they probably look uh, not as great during the day as they do at night when they're, you know, sort of lit up and... Yeah, they look kind of plain during the day. Yeah. But the only pieces that are left out are actually in the, quote-unquote, the backlot area between Monsters, Inc. and the stage area. The bars and everything that are actually on Hollywood Boulevard, they pull out. They, they're on wheels. They roll yes. them out beforehand, and then they pull them out afterwards. And the screening, I think, is retractable. The screens disappear when they're not in use. What screens? Um, the ones on the Flynn's The ones that are over on the State bars 17? over on Hollywood, Boulevard, on Hollywood Boulevard, the ones that are directly over the bars? Oh, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I'm, I'm talking disappear. The the set pieces are sitting in the back lot area, and I think it just f- kind of fits within the realm of the whole back lot because everything back there is a facade of some sort. Sure, but the and recognizer kind of fits into it. The recognizer stays up. The recognizer stays up, but that's still the entryway going into the back lot the, area. The so. laser that's hanging, you know, the the you know the laser that is what? still part of the facade work with uh, at the uh, entrance. It's, it's hanging down. Tr- yeah, but it's still part of the fa- facade work right there at Muppet Vision. That just looks like part of the back. No, lot features. no. Yes, the recognizer. Yes, I'm talking about the the thing that's supposed to be the oh, laser that talking, de- that deconstructs you. And yeah, sucks you into the grid. One over there by Playhouse Disney. I forgot about. It's that hanging one. from the arch into Hollywood. Yeah, I'll grant you that the, one. The, the stage, the pre-show stage, you know, the where what's his face comes out. You know, energize the yeah. boys and girls. That that stupid little show at the beginning, that looks cheesy and temporary. That <laughs> so that that would be my only. If I had to guess, that would be their only issues with. Keeping electronica is because you know the movie's run its course. It's not in the theaters anymore. I don't know. I I personally <laughs> like it. I think it's cool. I like playing video games for twenty five cents a pop. Right, but do you, I like do you think the old classic games? Yeah. Do, do you think they're gonna sort of create more of a series out of it though? Now that rumor has hit the streets. Yeah. That that there's a third inst, 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 uh, installment for Tron. I don't know. Well, I, mean, I had fun it, with it, it but... Uh, it did well enough, I, I think, you know. Did it? Yeah, let's... Uh, that's, that's, that's what it really comes down to, is if it, if it did well enough. Because, you know, you take a look at uh, some of the interviews during Comic-Con. Jeff Bridges was really into it. He thought this was just the newer technology, being in the original movie and then seeing this movie. The newer technology that was just way out there. And he was really... seemed to be... <laughs> Really jazzed Jeff's, into it. Jeff's way out there. Oh, this, this might be true he's, too. But even more, Bruce Boxleitner. He's more like the dude than I think any, <laughs> anybody really wants to admit. Uh, <laughs> even Bruce Boxleitner was, you know, seemed to be uh, pretty impressed with the whole thing. Um, right. I think I think you still have a set of actors that would be more than happy to do another one. And I don't mean just because they're getting paid for it, but I think they'd still like to be a part of this project. But the real question is. Would the studio and the producers want to fork over how much did this one cost? According, okay, so I jumped on to Greg's favorite site, Box Office Mojo. A production budget of $170 million. And so far, as of January 30th, it's, it's made 166 So it's so we're, not, we're nowhere near uh, breaking even on it. Okay, now foreign... It doesn't even incorporate the marketing budget. Right. No. Now, foreign, okay. foreign receipts is more than domestic. Which doesn't surprise me. What's the foreign receipts? Almost two two hundred million. Okay, so it's past the break even point. Yeah, but if you and listen, it has, and it hasn't even hit Blu-ray DVD yet, dude. Yeah, but Tangled be- has made more money than it than uh, Tron. Oh yeah. Yeah, but Tangled, Tangled was also rather expensive. I mean, how much was Tangled cost? Uh, okay, I'll find I mean, out. Two hundred sixty million. What yeah, animation? Animation. <laughs> That's a lot of freaking <laughs> money. Two hundred sixty million dollars for an animated picture. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. That's a, that's more than. Well, that's all that render time, man. Oh well, yeah, because yeah, that costs money. Only, <laughs> in, in Tangled, the one the thing I, I didn't do. realize yeah. 
when you're when you're watching it, there's only three main actors in it. There's and only half a dozen other voices in the entire picture. It's not like one of these movies they have a you know a whole lot of actors doing it. Wow. So. I, I thought Tangled was a really good story. I thought they did really well on that one. There's like a there's like a side link here, you know, on the Tron thing about how Tangled Tangled beat out Green Hornet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I still haven't seen that one. I got. I don't go think it's. It. I don't think Green. I don't think Greenhorn's long for this earth. I don't think it'll be in wide release much longer. I was watching the old Green the Sci-Fi Channel. I was telling you last week had a Green Horn. I was finally fi- finished watching them to the point I was kind of getting bored. And I started oh, that one doesn't sound boring. I just started zapping them before I watched them. But it was kind of fun going back to the old campy '60s, especially when you have one episode of Green Hornet where the bad guys are sitting in their apartment and they're watching Batman on television. <laughs> so you had your. Uh, what do you want to call it? Your uh, links between shows back then, even. Oh. So yeah, and I know I know I'll be buying Tron Legacy on Blu-ray when it hits the streets. I'm just hoping it's a it's bundled with their first one. Well, it doesn't bother me because I got the 25th anniversary of the fifth one. Yeah, the first I've got, one. I've got that one too. Yeah, that was pretty. That, that's a pretty good copy of it. So. so what else do we have to blast on? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm still not, you know, like I said, 3D until you get rid of the glasses, just hint 3D to me. There's been, there's been lots of, uh, you know, there was this article in the paper today about how there's uh, some, was it Stanford? Somebody's trying to do the research that, Make 3D for everybody, right? Some people get headaches in the current 3D technology, right? Because it doesn't line up the eyeballs, right, or whatever. And they're trying to make it so it's much more natural and easier for the brain to process the cheap 3D effects. Well, there's some people that can't even perceive 3D um, through any of the technologies that are being used right now. I think it's like 4% of the population. That's because their eyeballs don't work, aren't truly binocular then. (laughs) Right, right. And then I think there was another, I don't know where I heard it. Let me know if I heard it on a previous episode of this show. But there have <laughs> been some uh, some researchers that have said the problem with 3D, with TV or movies or what have you, is that your eyes have to stay focused um, on at a certain distance, but then you change where you're actually looking at different distances. So, you know, the screen is 50 feet from you in a movie theater or what have you. But then um, you, the 3D perspective is trying to make you look at a place closer or farther away, but your eyes still have to stay focused at 50 feet. So that's something that we're not trained to do through you know, the evolution oh. of, our, of our ocular systems. So, yeah, I understand. Your binoculars, you're triangulating further, closer and further, but your actual lenses on your eyes have to remain focused at the 50-foot range. Right, and that's something that you don't have to do in real life. It's something that we've never had to do. And it's something we're trying to train ourselves to do. And that's why people get headaches. Well, nah, I, they're I, just, they're just weak brains. <laughs> Their brains just can't handle it. I, I mentioned a couple of the other reasons in the past on 3d where, uh, they had a, uh, 3d forum of all the different people that have been working on it. 
and even lighting when you're lighting a set on a live action film you can get away with a lot of things in 2d because if it doesn't set up right well that's fine it's 2d but if when you're in 3d if the lighting for the right eye doesn't match exactly the way the lighting should be for the left eye your brain starts trying to compensate for it and that's what causes headaches on everything and even just lighting can change things on a three on a motion picture set when you're trying to do 3d yeah and, uh, just and simple if you look at like I avatar i was i was saying exactly the same thing that those those scenes in avatar were composed great for 3d but then you throw them onto 2d and they kind of eh, they look kind of weird well another problem with the avatar uh filming process i guess that they used since it, they did it all in you know sort of like green screens and then faked the 3d elements they didn't uh everything was in focus no matter how whether it was in the foreground or the background everything was in focus all the time and we're used to not having things in focus so if we're looking if we're if we're supposed to be directed towards the foreground characters we want the background to be a little out of focus yeah because it helps you eyes are used to yeah it helps you figure it out yeah and that was that was not present in avatar so actually that kind of confused people's brains a little bit too and it made people dizzy when the fast moving action sequences with the background not being out of focus that tends to flatten your picture though which is odd i say i haven't seen avatar i never saw it in that theater i have a blu-ray copy of it sitting here i just can't bring myself to you know the to donate five hours of my life to watch this stinking long ass thing yeah I am going to say, because I'm looking at this comment from your buddy on the show that you were at a couple weeks ago, no, I am not blaming the lighting guys. I'm not blaming the gaffers. I'm just making the comment that when you're doing 3D, there are additional things that have to be taken into consideration, uh, even just lighting a live action things, because if things don't match up correctly, uh, and and the classic one that they were using uh, on the article was if you're doing a... Uh, special effects where you have a ship going through space and for two or three frames the lights go out on one section of the ship compare on the right eye but they're still lit on the left eye and for only two or three frames if you're doing two-dimensional pictures you can get away with that because for those two or three frames the brain's not going to pick up on it and it's not going to notice it but or i should say consciously you won't notice it but if it's done in 3d and it's one eye has one vision and the other and the other eye has the other your brain subconsciously starts trying to compensate for those because there's something wrong there and that's when it starts giving headaches because things don't match up correctly and it's just the simplest little things that can go wrong on there and that's why they're saying right now in 3d it takes literally two and a half times longer in post-production than to do a uh, standard 2d movie Okay, I, I know, okay, it's possible to train the brain to have the eyeballs focused at different things, right? I, my father-in-law, perfect example. He wears contact lenses. His eye, he's got severe astigmatism, right? He wears what they call monovision contact lenses. You know what that is? Where one contact is set to focus for near vision for reading. And, right. the, other, and the other contact is focused for distant vision and he wears them together so he can look close and look up and it took him a while to get his brain trained to do it so he had you know he dealt with headaches and whatnot but eventually now he puts them on it's nuts (laughs) 
It's just nuts. I don't know. Yeah, y- you can do it. Um, but for the casual movie-going audience, it's not worth the effort to try to train your brain to not get sick. Right. Watching so you just don't do it. As, especially when you're only doing it for two hours. Like your yeah, for, th- for this, entertainment. This is the way, yeah, this is the way he needs to regulate his life to be able to, to interact with it. But if you're just being entertained for two hours, uh, what's the point? Exactly. But so don't you know, pay those fifteen dollar. Go see the three D movie. Yeah, and I don't. And I don't want to. I hate paying the extra money for the glasses too. But the they should the, let you bring your glasses back. Yeah, buy it. Oh, give oh, you. Yeah, better yet. Better yet, go into Best Buy because you can buy the, the uh, <laughs> regular polarized glasses at Best Buy. Bring your you own. Know, different. There are different three D technologies. So I tried to do this. I you have took my. I, yeah, I tried to do this. Uh, in one day, I watched both Tron and Tangled, or, or maybe it was like a day apart or something. And so which I one was – what was the two 3D formats? Do you remember? So Tron was in IMAX, oh, and then so the IMAX other one was in Disney Digital 3D. Right. Okay. So real, real, real IMAX or fake IMAX that I got? To- it was $19 IMAX, so I hope it was okay. real IMAX. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, seriously, so I mean, they got you. <laughs> I saw I saw Tron and what I thought was an IMAX theater, and then when I took a good look, it was really a retrofitted IMAX theater. The screen wasn't the right size. The oh, it thing- was it was the new IMAX. It wasn't one of those planetarium IMAX theaters. Okay, it was, the Omnimax, word right? The yeah. one it's that you get in you know movie theaters where they take out three rows of seats and expand the screen a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and then and and upgrade the sound. Now Spence right. here is saying that digital 3D is a is a process, not not a uh, It's the diffraction gradients are slightly different in Disney Digital 3D and in IMAX 3D because I tried to use my IMAX 3D glasses with Disney Digital 3D and the pictures didn't the, the left and the right eye didn't line up. There was a little bit of bleed and I believe the left eye so you could see both pictures. Hmm. And there was a there was a distinct difference between the two sets of glasses and what you could see and what what you couldn't. See now, a good experiment that would be between a real 3D and Disney 3, digital 3D, right? That would yeah, that would also be a good experiment. There's one there's one other thing that uh, when I was talking to one of the guys over at Broadcast Services about it, he brought up, and it it's always been in the back of my mind, but I never really hit upon it. Is when you're watching 3D, the pictures tend to be darker. Because you're going through the different lens processing to put up the to put the picture up in 3D, yes. and uh, doing that, you're losing some of the light that would normally be there. Now, when they do this, the film techs, the studio techs, say adjust the lighting and burn the light brighter, and that will compensate for it. But of course, being good movie house owners. You burn the light brighter, that means you're going to have to change that light out sooner. You're not going to do that. You're going to bring it back down to where you've always set it at. So your picture tends to be a little bit darker than your normal picture would be without the 3D effect. Well, I I think being darker just kind of helped Tron overall anyway, because the whole movie was dark. It was, wasn't it? I I read a review somewhere that that someone said... It's 3D as dark as it was. It's been it's been more time in the dark than most horror films. <laughs> uh. All right. So now, got, fun experience is if you take the glasses, you turn them upside down. 
<laughs> you put those on so everything that's supposed to be really close to you is as far away as possible. Everything in the background comes close I never to you. Of that. I would have it's to fun. find that for Captain EO. Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome for Captain EO. Yeah, so cause that- at the end, the little, the little bird Goes creature thing would be flying away from you. No, yes. the very beginning with the asteroid that comes out towards you. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would be going the opposite direction. So. That's funny. And it really screws with your brain. You can't do it too long. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe I'll pass. Better than LSD. Just do it a little bit. It's kind of fun. Everyone should try it once. <laughs> this is your personal <laughs> recommendation, right? This is my personal recommendation. <laughs> okay. I'm not You've a said doctor. that before, haven't you? <laughs> 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 I'm not sure would that would that actually work or not that way because when you're using 3D and it's something coming up close, it's really splitting the images far off. It's not like you're looking through a uh, pair of binoculars at it. Well, you're just making you're taking all of the images that are supposed to go in your right eye and putting it in your left, and vice yeah. versa. So it so you're. Your brain knows that something's supposed to be coming towards you, but your eyes see it going away from you. So there's an interesting <laughs> it's it's sort of like those optical illusions where it's do you see the old woman or the young woman? You yeah. can sort of go back in between the two because one you can let your brain sort of compensate for what it thinks should be happening or you can say no I want to see exactly what my eyes are seeing. <laughs> uh, I got to try that sometime. Oh, this link that that uh, Spence has dropped here is pretty cool. <laughs> about the polarization with the glasses there. The circular polarization. Yeah, that's trippy. What? Oh, it's got little flash animations going on in here. So you iPhone people need not apply. Crazy. No, and then, and here's a bunch of freaking math. Boring. <laughs> yeah. Boring. Gosh. <laughs> that's probably why Spence added it. Why? Because has math in it. Yeah, all that math. Cosine sine. This is like this is like physics. Huh. <clears throat> Never mind. Yeah, physics. <sighs> and I do want to thank the person that made this. Yeah, Tigger. It's amazing how much smarter Shaft is without Greg here. Because <laughs> you're not being questioned as much. Thank you very much. Yeah, I don't mind just being questioned. Go. I just hate it when he's interrupting me all the time. What'd you say, Chris? We're just letting it go. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> All right. So, is there anything else we want to talk about? Let's see. Let me just take a time check. Oh, yeah. We're coming up on an hour and a half. Awesome. That's cool. Um, anything for the mailbag? I thought I saw a couple things in the mailbag. Uh, yeah, I want to read it, though, before I just. Uh... Oh, okay. Yeah. No, you there's. Speak nicely about her. About who? The mailbag. Uh, <laughs> all right, I got I got one email. I mentioned this on the Hub podcast the other day. Um, we got a listener mail, Amanda. Right, so it says, "Hey, Micecast dudes, I have been a long time listener. I want to say from the beginning, and this is probably my first time shooting y'all an email. Anyway, what do y'all think about the animated picture race, Dragon or Toy Story Three? I'm all for Dragon. As Toy Story never really appealed to me." Because you don't have kids, probably. Also, what do you all say about Daft Punk not getting nominated for original score or Tron Legacy not getting nominated more? Your Georgia listener, Amanda. P.S. I hope you can read the bigger font. Yes, thank you. I can read the bigger font. That was the most recent mail that... All the rest of these are long. I, I, I didn't and need, get that one. 
uh, oh. came to just being Greg. Sorry. Oh, well. So, yeah. I um, like... Ed... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, admittedly, I didn't see uh, uh, Dragon, How to Train Your Dragon, but everybody that I've talked to has said it was a great movie. Um, I would probably say that that's probably going to be your front runner, strictly because uh, Toy Story is a sequel, and Academy people try to go for original stuff rather than sequels. Well, mm. you know, if you go straight uh, just from uh, emotional response, they both they both have strong emotional response that qualifies them to be nominated for Best Picture. Uh, my personal thing is I, I like Dragon better than Toy Story 3. Dragon, uh, you made you feel good at the end with just a little bit of, you know, drama or conflict or you know, family, what's the term I'm looking at? Resolution or family togetherness coming, coming back together. Toy Story 3, just a freaking tearjerker. All, you know, yeah, you're happy the toys get a new home, but damn. <laughs> it's too much of an emotional roller coaster, I think, for my taste. Yeah. Uh, so, and I like... Well, and and will, will, the, will the Academy respond to that part of it because do they do they have a strong a connection like is is that is that emotional reaction that came was it because of the first two movies more so than just the movie was that true moving or you know like you need, yeah i think you at the point you're trying to make is do you need the foundation of the first two films to feel the emotional response to the third one right and yeah. so did that did the first two movies make that um, or were that established in the academy's, you know, in their uh, psyche, right? So that way, the third movie really cashed in on all that. It's hard. To and say are you even thing. are you allowed to judge by that standard when you're picking an award for a single picture? Because you're not awarding the franchise; you're awarding an individual picture. Spence has a good point that um, you know, Return of the King, Lord of the yep. Rains, right? That that picked up a bunch of awards yeah, the first two yeah, it, was, it was almost like they they didn't give the first two a, a whole lot of awards because they just were like yeah we're just going to dump it all on on the last one but in in that could, that could be the uh, could have been the thought process on there because everybody knew there was going to be a trilogy. Everybody knew there was going to be the three movies. Um, Toy Story three wasn't even thought of. When they completed Toy Story two, it was something that's come up in the last what couple of years or so. Was so, that part of the deal? What Toy Story three was that part of the Pixar purchase deal? I have no Weren't idea. Weren't they required to make the third the third installment? I don't know. I, I, this I, is the first time I want to say I've heard that. that. All right, that, no. that's easy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how but, easy that's to ver- get verified. But you could say that you know all of the. Lord of the Rings movies were filmed in one fell swoop, whereas the like, so that so it was one contiguous story that was just right. broken up into three acts, right? Whereas the three Toy Story movies are separate movies. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how the Academy goes about looking at these films and if you're allowed to judge the franchise aspect Plus, as part of the movie or whatnot. And and then what what do they do? They have a different sort of standard that they judge animation movies by than they do sort of you know how you look at comedies and and dramas yeah. are, are there certain does it have to be more lighthearted to win you know best animated 
feature. Who knows? I don't know if there are unwritten rules there. There could be also another thought in there that, you know, Pixar has been such a dominant force with animation over the past number of years, uh, especially when it comes to Academy Awards. DreamWorks has been doing an awesome job with a number of their pictures uh, that people felt uh, DreamWorks was sometimes a little cheated uh, with some of their projects because they were just overshadowed by Pixar. This might be the chance that uh, they might give DreamWorks the award uh, over Pixar. Yeah, but if they were, if they're being overshadowed, it's because they're not doing yes. the same level of content as DreamWorks is doing. Because in it's it's all about the story, and it's all about whether the movie is good or not, whether it becomes popular or not, like like really popular. You know, good stories stand the test of time and make an impact. Whether yeah. they've got a two dollar budget or or a twenty million dollar budget, you know. So I I don't I don't know if I totally <laughs> believe that. <laughs> You're reading the same thing. Yes, I am. Right <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's no problem. Someone was saying that Katzenberg's an ass. That's yeah. why they won't get anything. <laughs> He's pissed a lot of people off. Yes. But, I'm sorry, Chris. Go, go on, because I was going to add on to what you were just saying there. Well, I was. I basically finished what I had to say. Yeah, that story, that uh, qu- like Walt used to say, well, quality will out. Yeah. Uh, and I agree because, you know, you take a look at some of the stories, whether you're looking at Toy Story, Cars, um, the story the story and the writing of the stories were very solid all to their own. They, they created their own world. They created their own realities of it. Uh, as much as I like Shrek, I think Shrek is hilarious and it's been so popular with everything, you have to admit... Shrek took its cues from a lot of the uh, reality of what's, you know, on the outside. You can't say that Shrek created so much their own universe as they warped our existing universe into their reality. Right. So I, I agree with you on that. The, the writing is definitely there. And, you know, again, I, I have not seen uh, Dragon, but you, you guys, Mike, you've definitely seen it, right? Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Would you say that the writing was better in this movie, that it created its own reality, as opposed to something like Shrek, where it was just taking existing, you know... Dragon. Uh, Dragon's a book. Dragon's a series of books. Okay. How to Train Your Dragon is a series of books, so I know that the, this story is not original, or the idea is not original. But it has its own universe, and it's not... It's not being it's not an amalgamation of of other you know other things like like Shrek is no correct right? correct yeah so it, it's it's an original the 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 story the series of books is an original concept right and they just took that concept and they I, I I know that they've combined a couple elements of a couple of the books and um to get this story and they also took a little poetic license with the actual dragon names and you know uh yeah who became the pet and whatnot, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, now, now her other, the rest of her question about Daft Punk. Uh, any, any of you guys bought the soundtrack to Tron Legacy? Yeah, I did. I, 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 I like it. I have it as well. I like it. You can hear a lot of uh, uh, influence from 
some classical music pieces. Yes. As a matter of fact, the, the opening overture reminds me a lot of uh, Fanfare for the Common Man. Um, but, uh, you know, for them not getting a nomination, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe the Academy Music people aren't into the, the electronic dance stuff. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think you got a couple things that were hitting it. Yeah, I think it's the electronic sound to it. Well, it's 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 mer- it's not all just electronic. There's there's you know, they they blended it. There's there's orchestral parts that also gets blended with some ele- you know, electronic undertones. It's yeah. I think it's pretty pretty cool, but Yeah. I but well, I, I mean, I I don't know how this completely works, but um when when Greg and I were at the uh, were hanging out um, with our friend that works at the studio, um, he was he had mentioned that you're you're only allowed to actually you know put so many things forward as a studio uh, for for nominations, I believe. And I don't know if he was just talking about the animation because we were talking about the animation film at the time. So I don't know if that's the case in all of the all of the other categories, but I mean, if if that's true, if that kind of model is true for all the other categories, then possibly the studio didn't actually put Tron and Daft Punk forward as a nom as as a, a potential nominee. Um, because they, on, on that, because I, they fill in uh, their quota, so to speak. Well, right, on, like they've got you've got three you've got three films that you can put out as as for a, you know the best in a in a. This is what I understood. I don't know for sure if that's this is that, the that's actually how the Emmys work. That's okay. the Emmys. Okay. Um, uh, but I, I I I just I believe that that's how what they were doing. The, uh, but anyways. So. Yeah, the, the Emmys, you're only allowed to uh, push forward so many, and so they always try to get so, – because you have so many different television episodes, and when they uh, make judgments on television episodes, they go by a particular episode. So when you see something on the Emmys, like, uh, let's yeah, say, yeah, Friends – because it'll tell you the episode name. Yeah, they got if they go by Friends as best, uh, you know, best comedy series – they're taking that from just one, you know a couple episodes that they that were pushed forward. They can't put the entire series forward because they have what twenty four to twenty six episodes. They can only throw a couple of episodes in there. Nineteen, but, thirteen. <laughs> but with uh, whatever, with, um, with movies generally in the Academy Awards, um, those are chosen by uh, uh, the artists in that particular field. So in the case of music, it would be other uh, composers, musicians that are Academy members that would choose what they like. Now, yeah. But the, 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 yes, they, they're the ones that, that vote, but who, who, who collects and proposes the nominations? Not the same people that vote. Well, the, the uh, vote on which ones they feel are the best. And then the Academy compiles the votes and, brings out the whichever number they usually five but whichever number they decide upon as the top vote getters and then the entire academy is allowed to vote on those five or whatever number they've well, chosen it's 10 that's so stupid yeah that was for that best picture category last year and is, is it 10 again this year yes it is 
Yeah, that, that's getting a little too much in my mind as well. And you can look at, you can scratch half of them off right away. Yeah. Like what district? Mi- like wa- like what district nine made the list? Really? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm wondering if that the reason they put the ten in there is so they can have some fodder to kind of throw things off and uh, try to you know, and also get some get people back to the theaters to see them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But on, on the music, I was going to say I think there's a couple things that were uh, going against Tron. One was uh, everybody pictures it being electronic. I mean, you're talking about orchestrations and everything else, but because the whole theme and especially the way the original Tron was also electronic, uh, I think that was just a uh, preconceived idea that people were having on it. Second, I think it's just because the December release, a couple of people already had in their minds what they wanted to do. December releases can come can help you as in being the last, you know, oh, this is the thing that people are suddenly going to grab onto in time for the awards or it can come back and bite you because people say will look at it and say ah, you know it was great but i got some other ideas that i already have going on for it and i think the third one was uh people just flat out look at it as is kind of an experimental type picture as the original tron was uh fun and everything but it's more of a uh techo geek type film that i don't know about that I agree. The first one was way experimental. You know, the the process was experimental. Filming in black and white, going back and painting it afterwards to get the glow. But um, I don't think the second time around was nearly as experimental as most people would would think. No. I no, mean, I agree. But I think people still have that in their mind. I think there, there still was a preconceived notion in the mind of a lot of people. Uh comparing it to the original Tron and the same type of thinking to it. It's possible. There were some new things that were added into it. I mean, that was one of the things that they were pushing at Comic-Con when they were talking about it in in a couple of the articles is some of the new uh, computer programming that was used with Jeff Bridges where they can create a much younger Jeff Bridges and a much older Jeff Bridges. Uh... For uh, I don't think they need the computer to make them look older, dude. Probably not. <laughs> but the much yo- the uh, younger Jeff Bridges. It was interesting reading all the. I should pull that article out. Uh, how they uh, uh, used another actor and ended up pasting his face on him and everything else. Yeah, well, I mean that's the same thing they did with Benjamin Button. I don't think they. Yeah, did they same, same technology. Same yeah. same type of technology. They didn't use a different actor, did they? I thought Jeff Bridges uh, played both Clue uh, and him and Kevin Flynn. There was a number of scenes that, according to an uh, article in Post Magazine, uh, particularly around the light cycle battle near the uh, beginning part there, uh, there was actually another actor that was walking across. When, they, when you saw him walking across the whole big arena and everything, it was a different person that was doing that that they attached uh, Jeff's face onto. All right. Well, the, the younger, the younger guy, the younger guy. Yeah, it was a younger yeah. actor that they used that they uh, put the younger. When, yes. Let's, oh. let's say the person that's the character Clue was being using a younger actor, getting a much not according not according actor. to the credits. Jeff Bridges is play, credited for playing both. Kevin Flynn and Clue. 
Oh yeah. Right. Well, but not the body of Clue. Right. Oh, I don't know. That doesn't say. So you just think he, his voice? He voiced it then? He, he voiced and did the they they did the avatar thing with the face. Uh huh. Where they record, where they videotaped the the face. That's how they got his his acting. And then they actually, you know, used the Benjamin Button technology to put his face onto the act, over top of the actor that actually was the walking character. That they used as you know, okay, him, the body, his body double. They actually right. painted him on the f- the face with that. That's how they, that's how they did it. Apparently, from what I understand, kind of well, similar to what uh, George Lucas did in uh, Episode One of uh, Star Wars, where they had the big lightsaber battle. Uh, that was wasn't uh, Liam Neeson and it wasn't uh, oh what's the other actor's name Ewan McGregor Ewan McGregor they in that one they were just basically posting pasting the faces onto a couple uh, martial arts experts that were going through the whole routine in this case it was a little bit more complex in that they're actually putting uh, close-ups to where he's talking and everything else and the computer just kept track of it all Amazing technology uh, when you think about it. That's the first I've heard that. So you talk about the fight at the end where they're fighting Darth Maul. Wasn't yeah. those two actors? Huh. Right. Never heard that. Never heard mm. that one. Mm-mm. Well, I know they. I know they were putting. I know they were painting faces on their on some of the digital characters. Like, um, you know, they would they would enhance some of the moves that they were making and then putting faces on. But I don't know about the. All right, so you do okay. I, here's a little trivia question for you, movie guys. Uh, who can tell me the first known instance of where they digitally painted a face onto an actor? Anybody? Ooh. Digitally painted a face on an actor. Yes. I have no clue. Is it that movie where uh... Spence got it? Oh, oh. I wasn't going to guess that one. Spence got it. Uh, the scene where they're crawling through the... Uh, the well, say, say what the title is first. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, sorry. Jurassic Park, yeah. The scene where they're crawling through the air duct. Uh, yes, yeah, see? Stunt double looked up. Oh, okay. And so oh. They, they were able to... hearing about that, yeah. They digitally drop the girl's face on the stunt double. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, because that's right. She's like a... She was like a 30-year-old woman yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Good yeah. job, Spence. Good job. He's such a keener. Eh. All right, so we got anything else we want to chat about, uh, or should we just wrap it here? Let's see. I guess we could wrap it up here. Boys, Chris, Matt, got anything? Uh... I don't have anything else. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I got nothing. All right, cool. So, well, then I'll I'll start the wrap up time by saying thank you for joining us. Yes. Thank Thank you for filling in. Oh, it's my pleasure. No problem. It's it's always fun to have extra and varying different opinions. I'll mention that we're still looking at Friday, March 11, I want to say. Yes. No, Saturday, Saturday, sorry. Saturday, March 12, to do our final episode inside Disneyland. So if you're going to be around, come say hi. Uh, 
other than that, I got nothing. You guys, any final thoughts or words? Chris. Awesome. Uh, uh, I'm just happy to be here. Okay. Matt? <laughs> I'm just happy to be here as well. Awesome. All right, then. Let's say goodnight again, then, gentlemen. Good night, gentlemen. Good night. Good night, awesome. <laughs> <laughs>